0: You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com, Napa Valley Radio, for the way we live now. Welcome back to NapaBroadcasting.com. Today as never before, philanthropy is measured not just by feeling good, but by results and metrics. Perhaps it was the Gates Foundation's original emphasis or the number of businesses and businessmen and businesswomen that began looking for measurable results in their giving. The fact is that today in the world of philanthropy, results matter. This has been the underpinnings of an initiative by the Napa Valley Vintners, an effort that started around 2010 and continues until today, an effort to give more deeply and with more powerful and measurable results. We're gonna talk about that today with my guest, Becky Peterson. She's the Member and Community Relations Director for the Napa Valley Vintners, and it is my pleasure to welcome her here to NapaBroadcasting.com.
1: Thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be
0: here. It's great to have you here. Talk first about what went on uh, back in, in 2010 or roughly around 2010 when the Vintners really decided that it was time to measure the results really narrowly of, of, of the work that it was doing and focus it, on this idea of giving more deeply as opposed to more broadly.
1: Right. Well, I think, um, like everyone, you know, they'd, they'd heard... Um, about how important it was to be able to measure the giving other than in just the amount of dollars. And so I think there was this sense of, gee, we've given away, you know, at that point, I don't know, $110 million or $100 million to the community, and we know we've done good things because we've invested in nonprofits here that are doing great work, but what exactly has changed, if anything, or what's different And so they um, did like all organizations do in in a question like that. And they hired a consulting firm and um, had people really go out and poll the community, poll our vintners, poll our bidders uh, to try to get a sense of values and what was really important to all of them. And um, because, you know, the vintners are the ones that create these fabulous auction lots that, you know, allow bidders to spend um, you know, incongruous amounts of money uh, to, you know, I think Garen Staglin's term is my favorite one, you know, outrageous generosity or unfounded generosity or something. But um, that And that is what raises the money to allow us to invest like this in our community. So they looked at all of that and um, realized that, that we were spreading ourselves too thin and that we were um, kind of trying to be all things to all people and the amounts of money, therefore, for example, that we were spending on housing uh, was not making a difference, and part of that is because we were one of the only grants that allowed um, housing agencies to use it for development and not just you know uh, actually construction. and so a lot of that time that money got eaten up in development costs, and then the the buildings didn't get built because of. Uh, neighbors concerns or cost, you know, cost prohibition or whatever. So they just felt like they'd invested a lot of money that didn't, didn't see results. So then they, uh, you know, delved further and decided that the two areas in the community where we could probably make a difference that hit home for the values of our folks was um, around um, community health and children's education. So that's where they decided to focus.
0: Talk a little bit about the children's education component, because that is the newer part of this. Community health has always been part of right. the effort for the Vintners, and as you say, it's been different over the years, and, and the emphasis has shifted, but really the new emphasis, this new focus along with community health with respect to children's education is really the newer component.
1: I think you're right. We we did a, um, a, a small segment called Youth Development before, which um, allowed us to do a lot of um, different things and, and most of those agencies were be able to be incorporated under this new um, segment because we don't actually give money to schools and I, that's one of the things I, I think childhood development or something like that is probably a better term but people really don't know what that means so all of the agencies that we fund um, really provide support services or um, enhancements to help children succeed in school so for example, you know, the Boys and Girls Clubs are big um, recipients and they provide after school care as well as uh, homework help and character building and all those kinds of things, all the way to Summer Search, which actually identifies um, promising young people um, that are, you know, in some ways um, unable to get to college on their own um, and it identifies them in high school, follows them all the way through and all the way through college. To make sure that they stay in school and succeed so th- there was that um, area um, that wanted to cover this broad range of helping young people but really around their education and not just like in arts education or something like that which is not to say those things aren't important and then the other thing about this new model that we have two two really important things is that when we shifted to this I'm um, going deeper we have fewer we get fewer grants we don't have a lot fewer agencies because we were getting several grants to could give several grants to one agency because we sponsored a specific program. And now we sponsor or um, invest in that agency whose mission uh, falls under the, the goals of, of our, our philanthropy. And um, we, those funds are unrestricted. So we give money to an organization because they have the right um, infrastructure, the right programs in place, and we believe that they know best how to spend that money And so um, it really helps the organizations not get hamstrung by having so many donor-advised grants where they can only use it for a specific thing. So it's given them a lot more flexibility. Uh, And then what goes along with that, of course, is that then we have stronger reporting requirements because if you have unrestricted funds, you want to make sure that they're getting used for um, meeting the mission of that organization.
0: And we just saw an example of this with a very generous contribution that went to the Boys and Girls Club in American Canyon this week.
1: Yes. Yes, and that is actually a different pot of money, <laughs> which, you know, it's very difficult for, um, it, you know, as I'm sure you know, it's, it's a very complex process. It's difficult to boil down. But the grants that we give annually are um, these operating grants that come out of our community support fund. And then, you know, over the years, um, auction has been very successful, and we've set aside money each year for, um, and put it into a fund that would be for a rainy day fund in case the auction didn't happen so that our nonprofits would still get support, but also in case there was a natural disaster. And, of course, there was. Okay. And so, luckily, that fund had been so successful in its investments as well as the money that we've been able to put into it every year that we were able to um, grant $10 million to this you know, the disaster relief fund post-earthquake. And then still had enough money left over to help, uh, you know, with these two capital projects that we think are just huge. I mean, there is another one coming up that we haven't announced yet that's going to be announced in January. But uh, the one in American Canyon is ready to go. And and we wanted to be that lead gift and make sure that we challenge others to help um, donate to that so that they can build that facility for the American Canyon kids.
0: One of the things that these metrics have allowed you to do is really to understand how many people specifically have been touched by this work, and the numbers are, are pretty impressive. In that, there are over ninety thousand people in Napa County.
1: Right. It is. It's. We were thrilled that that first year was that you know telling because um, the whole way we are gathering information and asking our nonprofit partners to gather it is different. So it took us a while to get it kind of you know, all together, so it made some sense. And we're still working on that. There'll be improvements over that in the next couple of years, too. But um, it was just really astounding. And, and, you know, we're just so impressed with the work that the nonprofits in our community do. And um, we, the, the other real change, you i know, going to this whole shift, is um, that we consider our, all of our nonprofit um, grantees to be our partners. And so we want to be with them along the way working toward measuring their outcomes, um, you know, what, what have they been able to solve or help, as well as outputs, you know those numbers of how many people did you see and how many classes did you hold and how many kids now have a book that didn't have a book before. Um, but measuring all of that is, is difficult and, and especially across a spectrum of agencies that do very different things. Um, but it, it's, it's reassuring and it's also um, great to be able to show our bidders that your money is being put to good use um, and to show our vintners who, you know, of course, help supply um, the auction lots and to make them feel good about where that money is going.
0: How is this process fine-tuned from year to year to adjust for changes in funding for these various services that come from other sources? State money comes and goes, federal money comes and goes, even grant money comes and goes. How is this fine-tuned to adapt for that?
1: Well, I think our measurements are still the same. You know, we, we look at what they're going to get. They do them every year. We um, Our, our um, grants manager, Susan Duke, sits down with every agency and And says, okay, for this year, what's in your plan? Um, What do you expect to be able to accomplish? You you know, or do you have a three-year timeline of things that you're doing? And then, um, regardless of where the money comes from, we look at all of that, you know, as a whole of their budget, and then um, and then still look at what those results, you know, are going to be. What goals have we set for for that organization or that we've set together? Um, And then, of course. bad thing is when the money goes you know when the state doesn't allocate some money for something or the federal government doesn't and in some ways we can we can backfill that sometimes and a lot of times we can't because it's just too big so it's uh then they have to cut services and so we really try to um make sure that the agencies that we work with are have some diversified funding and there's a certain percentage our funding can't be more than than a certain percentage of um their whole budget so that Again, they're not totally dependent on us, and you know. But some agencies, like Head Start, for example, that's run by Child Start, that's a federally funded program, and so um, the the money that we give helps them do some ancillary things besides just their core stuff that they do for Head Start. Um, but two years ago, when sequestration um, happened, they were going to have to close the whole Maya Khamis, um preschool, which was. I think 40 or 60 kids that weren't going to have any preschool at all in this area where we know those kids need um, preschool before they head off to kindergarten. So um, because of some different funding that we had, we were able to help keep that going for a year until the state, you know, the federal budget got back and where it was supposed to be and they got money to do that again. So we, we take it into consideration, but when we do their, uh, their outputs and outcomes uh, goals, it's, it's based on all of their funding.
0: How has this been phased in in a way that doesn't have a, a really negative effect on some of those agencies, some of those organizations that had relied on money over the years mm-hmm. and that now are not part of the equation for the reasons we've been talking
1: about? Yes, yes. And that, that's that been tough. You know, and it's always tough. It's much harder to say no than to try to find a way to say yes. And um, But, you know, if we were serious about doing it this way, there were some that just didn't qualify under this new set of rules. So... What we did was give them each um, uh, a transition grant for two years, and the idea was that the original the first year that they they didn't meet the qualifications was going to be something like seventy five percent of their what they'd received the year before, and then it would step down to fifty percent the next year. Well, because the auction did so well last year, we kept it at seventy five percent for the two years. So at least we were able to help them a little bit more. Um, And the idea was, of course, that they would use some of that money to um, help them develop other ways to raise funds. And we're trying to do, you know, whatever we can, we do connections with different um, agencies, too, if we see a need here. You know, just putting people together to talk about ways that they can help each other with funding and everything. We certainly try to do that, too.
0: Over the years, two of the largest recipients for many, many years were, were Queen of the Valley Hospital and St. Helena Hospital. How does that fit into this equation now?
1: You know, there's still a large recipients. Um, The interesting thing is um, the way hospitals run. I mean, in fact, it's really great because the um, the new CEO of um, Saint Helena Hospital, who's a a physician, is going to come and do a little. This is um, hospital business development you know, hospital business finance 101 <laughs> and do that for our group because it's very complicated and so the concern at some point was because both both of the hospitals are parts of larger systems that our money is just kind of further you know that it doesn't have a purpose that right. it's kind of just filling a hole somewhere but it's not a big deal and so what we, we've looked at some different things you know should we a long time ago we used to buy a piece of equipment every year at auction it would be a new MRI machine or an extra machine or something so should we look at that or should we look at finding a specific area Um, for example Queen of the Valley has the care network which is um, a program designed to keep people out of the emergency room if people come into the hospital through the emergency room um, or they're going to be discharged from the regular hospital and they don't have anyone at home to help them with their medications and stuff they will provide home care to help with that so that's where our money went to the um, Queen of the Valley this year. And then there's a similar, you know, kind of niche that we can find in St. Helena Hospital, which I believe is their birthing center. Um, and But that doesn't exactly fit the model of the other agencies uh-huh. because that's totally unrestricted funds. And because the hospitals are so large, we've kind of had to restrict them to be able to make sure that the money is going to, to fit all the other guidelines that we have. So it's complicated. But also with the advent of clinical lay... I think they are uh, probably not over the whole length of the auction, but certainly over the last years that it's been around, that's our biggest, uh, at least annually, our biggest recipient because they are serving the exact population that we're trying to get to.
0: What conversation, and this is even more complex and we don't have to get very deep into it, but what conversations Mm -hmm. have, have there been Within the discussions about this money and giving and everything that goes with it, with respect to health care, given all the new health care laws and how that's changing as as the underpinning of all of this,
1: right? And and we're basically just keeping our eye on it. Um, you know, there are some things, some of the agencies that um, it's affecting a lot. CHI, for example, Children's Health Initiative, because now there are more health insurance options um, for people and. So that agency has morphed from being one, first of all, from being one that just helped children enroll um, to one one that also helps parents and families enroll um, and find insurance for the undocumented or for the people that just aren't making very much money um, so that they have actual health insurance and don't have to rely on just clinical life. They need other services. Um, So that's an agency that really is changing, and we're just in close contact with them, and then at some point... You know, if there are, there's other funding through that, that um, the federal government or whatever, then, uh, then we wouldn't need to fund them anymore. But at this point, you know, they're not there yet. But we are really trying to keep an eye on it, which is why we're trying to get a really better handle on how the hospitals work and what that means for them. Um, but I think these smaller agencies are even more affected because hospitals are just so complicated that even with more healthcare options, um, Medicare doesn't reimburse them enough, and so part of the money we had given them before had gone to you know, fill that gap between actual care costs and Medicare reimbursements, which were below that. Very complicated.
0: <laughs> Indeed it is. And on the education side, talk a little bit about what some of the metrics are telling us about the success of these efforts in classrooms and in preschool and in elementary and middle schools.
1: Yeah, it's very exciting. And, you know, one of the things I didn't get to really – I touch on is that with this new model of giving to fewer agencies, concentrating on these two areas, and um, providing operating support, we also um, wanted to find an initiative in each of these areas, which would be, instead of finding agencies that have an idea and funding them, figuring out what a problem is in our community and rallying the agencies and the money to solve that problem. And that's really exciting and fun stuff, very difficult. (laughs) But really, you know, that's where you're going to make real social change. And so one of the areas that we're working on right now is preparing children for kindergarten. And, you know, we have a huge English language learner population. And what happens is if they don't have any preschool experience, they show up at kindergarten on the first day, and they they don't speak the language, know the colors, know the shapes, or any of the things that most – uh, kids entering kindergarten would know, and it, so everyone has to wait. You know, it pulls, pulls back the kids who are really prepared. So our goal is to make sure that these kids are prepared for kindergarten, and we're doing a um, an initiative that we're piloting in four school areas, uh, one school in American Canyon, two in Napa, and one in Calistoga, and we there's a state preschool um, on each of those campuses, and then we are also providing um, family support services around those so that there's um, English language classes for the parents, helping parents learn about being their child's first teacher and reading to their child and teaching them shapes and working with their child and all of that. And then kids who can't go to preschool, either because the parents don't want to send them for the whole year, they come later in the year. We have these boot camps in the summer where they go for six to eight weeks. And it's a little bit more intensive, it's very family involved as well. And then those kids learn, you know, enough to help them be prepared when they go to kindergarten. So that's one of the really exciting things around education that we're doing. Um, and we've committed a million dollars a year to that for the next three to five years.
0: And there are some very clear-cut and specific results that are being seen as a result of that effort.
1: Yes. Yes, and I, I wish I could spout them all to you right now. I have to pull up my other document and see if I can. But um, but it's been, and, and our partner in that is First Five Cal, uh, Napa because they, are, of course, are so in tune with the whole um, zero to five um, learning and what, what kids know and um, what they need to learn and uh, brain development and all of that. So they are a partner with that and um, with that initiative called the Napa Valley Early Learning Initiative, and they are really... Um, very rigorous in the um, data that they gather to help us show uh, that kids are improving, and, and we, we have been able to show that uh, this year, you know, that even, even under one full year of the program, that kids have entered kindergarten more prepared to learn. We'll follow that same group of kids through third grade and see if they, uh, their reading is is better and all those things.
0: And finally, what are the biggest challenges going forward to this approach?
1: Staying the course. Um, I think that's, that's definitely it. It's, it's difficult to, um, you know, we have, a, so our process is that we have an application process and we have a committee made up of um, Vintner members and then three uh, community members who are not affiliated with the wine industry um, who sit on this committee and review the applications and uh, help us, you know, um, decide on which agencies will receive money and, and how much, um and then that go- recommendation goes to our board of directors and then they make the final decision um and what's hard is you have people come and go from that committee uh all of them it's a, it's time consuming and they're dedicated people who care about the community and care about doing the right thing um but they all come you know with uh people who have their ear um and want certain um you know want to make sure that we're aware of other um agencies in the valley and what they're doing and it it's difficult to say no. It's difficult to, um, to say that just doesn't fit within our criteria right now. And um, we need to stick to these things so that we can see over the time that we are, in fact, moving the needle and making a difference. Because there are lots and lots of great organizations out there doing fabulous work in our community, but they just don't fit under our guidelines.
0: Becky Peterson. Member and Community Relations Director for the Napa Valley Vintners, I thank you so much for spending time with us here on NapaBroadcasting.com.
1: Thanks, Jeff. My pleasure. Thank you. Local voices, local conversations. NapaBroadcasting.com.